Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's late night happy hour. It is a Thursday, Andy, I believe, after game four. Four. Um, I have really struggled with the math of these series, like remembering which game is which. Um, But the Lakers do take this one uh, in the Western Conference Finals. They're up three games to one, 114 to 108 in a spectacularly entertaining game. Uh, Yes, it was. We'll talk about this. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff. Dragonfly Jones, uh, who is rebooting his computer, Andy. That is the latest update from from very 2020. Just in general, we're all having problems on some level. It's just 2020. Yeah. So uh, the thing to say that random thing that happens when you up, you know, you 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 start your computer up again. It's like, oh, I got to update. So he's doing that, and as soon as that's over, I had to replace my laptop like a month ago. Thing just died. Out of nowhere, just absolutely died. Couldn't get fixed. Again, no, 2020. I was about to say, it probably just looked at it and was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. out. Yeah, I'm I'm out. I had a good man. run. I, I don't need to stick around for this. I I can go. And I, Given I, where I, things... respect, I respect the decision that your MacBook Air made. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, given where things seem to be headed, I don't blame that laptop for just saying, you know what? It's been a nice run. Yeah. But double middle fingers, I'm out of here, man. Yeah, no, I'm like, going I'm to the sort of thing. jealous of my old laptop. To I'm going to find I'm finding my creator, Steve Jobs, in the sky. We'll be reunited. It'll be great. Uh, and that's just how it's going to be. So uh, a fun show coming up tonight. If you haven't listened, if you don't listen to the uh, uh, Jenkins and Jones podcast, um, you should. It is a ton of fun. Uh, and uh, I, particularly the last episode where there's just end-to-end Clipper slander, which we will I was going to say, for this particular, we'll uh, for the particular, the regulars, if nothing else, who uh, drop by the late night happy hour, which is always appreciated, we've noticed um, not big Clipper fans. This, this last episode of Jenkins and Jones, it's for you. Let's yeah. just say it's right up your alley. So... This was another night where, you know, and I, I think a lot of people are concerned about Anthony Davis's ankle uh, after the game. You know, he turned it in the fourth quarter, and after the game, he didn't sound like a guy who was like, oh, seriously, no worries. Like, like, like he sounded like a guy who was like, oh, yeah, guys, my ankle hurts. Um, he described it as a little sore and tender, which is also an Otis Redding album. And I, I you know, so, you know, this is just one of those things where you hope it's not a big deal, but let's assume that it's not. It was another one of those like AD nights. He hit what his first nine shots or eight shots or something absolutely ridiculous. And they were hard, like mid range and turnarounds and all this stuff. So, like, the renaissance of Anthony Davis in these playoffs is continues. He's been terrific. And, and it's funny because, like, he obviously did need to prove himself just because, I mean, Anthony Davis has never played for a team that had any true expectations. And he'd never gotten out of the second round of the playoffs. And he'd only been to the playoffs twice with New Orleans. And it wasn't his fault, so to speak. I mean, you know, he hadn't been gifted a lot of great rosters. And there have been times where people have been injured, including Davis himself. But that being said, we'd never seen him at at this level, on this stage, with this type of pressure and expectations. So there is a proving ground. But I think that proving ground can sometimes make it easy to forget the dude had been really good in the playoffs yeah. before this. Like it, the, the issue It's not really, a Lou Will deal. It's not a Paul George thing. Right. Where he's the issue like had never been that he hadn't right. been good in the playoffs. 
He just he just never hadn't gone anywhere. But, but I just think it's just one of those deals. That like until you do it, when it matters, you know, absolutely. like what you did when it. Like Damian Lillard's been awesome in the playoffs too, but he's never been to the finals. And Damian Lillard, despite being a killer who has sent teams home over and like multiple times, he dismantled the Thunder. Right, like the Thunder became a different team because of the bye bye shot. Correct. Like, and he's done it twice. And so, like, but if Damian Lillard got to the Western, or, or the, you know, to the finals, he's been to the Western Conference finals. He got to the finals, everybody like, well, Dame's got to prove it. Like, when the pressure's on, like, come on, people. But like, that's this is how this is how how it works. Um, I, you know, this was this to me like la the game three. Uh, I'm sorry, game two, I should say, where where AD hit the game winner. That's obviously, I think, the one that everybody sort of remembers. You know, Denver really outplayed them for a lot of that second half. And then obviously they win game three. The Lakers, other than that five minutes, were really thoroughly outplayed in that game. This one felt like the one that was kind of the good measurement of both teams. Like Denver was making shots, like, and the, but the Lakers were just right there. Like, and yeah, when it matters, the Lakers are just, just that much better, which at this level is a lot. Yeah, I mean, Denver legitimately pushed the Lakers, and not that they needed to prove it in this round, because if you come back from down 3-1 twice, you are by definition a good team, and you're by definition a team that should be taken seriously. And, and we've seen the, the Nuggets are a nightmare to, gov to cover. You know, just like that combination of Murray and Jokic is so difficult. And you can see with the Lakers, like they are often – scrambling like it's really really hard but I also never felt in this game as close as Denver kept getting it and as much as they never went away and again credit to them nothing should be taken away from they are a legit good team they're a team that frankly you should start eliminating now because in a year or two you may not be able to I never felt like the game was slipping away from the Lakers it always felt to me like they were in control even if they were being legitimately pushed and at, th at this stage, you're supposed to be legitimately pushed. Yeah. Like, it's easy to forget, I think, because of the way we view sports, and I think because certain franchises are so dominant, and then also what we've seen in the super team era, this shit's supposed to be hard. Like, it's really supposed to be difficult. You're supposed to be pushed and challenged. And we forget about that sometimes. Like, Denver is supposed to be pushing the Lakers. They should be. Yeah, like uh, everybody, everybody picked them in six. Like I feel like the entire planet picked Lakers in six in this series. You know, the I saw the occasional Lakers in five and the occasional Lakers in seven, but like the entire world basically came down on Lakers in six, which means like they're supposed to. I mean, and you know, good God, I I, I felt terrible. I felt really really terrible about making the three one joke. Like you know, you send regretful tweets and mm -hmm. like you know, at least you're not drunk. Uh, he didn't send, you know, there was nothing like, like offensive in it. Or whatever. Just like, <laughs> that was just not a joke. It's just not a joke that needed to be made. No, like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to be the first one in there. I, I went back as soon as I hit tweet because I made a joke about it and was like, I, I just want to delete this. And it had already been like, liked a couple times or this, that and I was like, Oh crap. Well then your ego takes over. You're like, well, oh, no, no, no. I just, once somebody just likes tweet, once somebody sees it, you can't delete it. 
like if it's out there and people have already started commenting on it, you can't delete it. You have to own it. Yes, I said it wasn't like it wasn't like it was it was just like and it got kind of I'm sure disappeared in the seven hundred and forty two thousand other three one jokes. But it's like don't don't be that guy. And I, I was that guy, and I felt regret. Yeah, uh, our right friend Ramona Shelburne tweeted out to the effect of there is no witty joke you can oh. make about Denver has the Lakers right where they want them. And I retweeted. That's yeah, certainly not the one I made. <laughs> well, I retweeted her comment about that. And I, I said, and I was being honest, I tried to come up with the really original, clever spin on this and then realized it doesn't exist. Like, I mean, like at this point, because the, the Nuggets have done this twice. So at this point, like all those jokes were basically done during the Clippers series. Like you, you at this point, it's just too well worn. You can't do it. Like you're not, you're not gonna come up with the winner. Like just the one that's like, God damn, man, I never thought of that one. Like just the perfect chef's kiss phrasing doesn't exist. No, not, not, gonna for, happen. A joke, not for a joke that obvious that everybody's been making for like I, I, I we I made the joke you know early in the series like if they go up if they if you go up two one you punt game three or game four it's like it, it, this is not new and I, I I really should have done it I should have been better and I apologize because there there are times when you know a dumb joke is fun and then it's just then there are other times when it really brings down the brand and uh, I think that's what happened tonight and so I apologize. Um, th that said, you know. I'm not concerned that the Lakers are going to somehow blow this series. You know, maybe no. hurt if something like something weird happens. Um, okay, that's fine. Like, I mean, that can happen and can change a series and whatever. But if, assuming he's able to play, or even if he misses Game Five and is able to play in the other ones, they're going to get through and and win. In, 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 unless Denver just goes completely nuclear, I'm not. I'm not terribly concerned about that. Um, and it's it's impressive. Like the, the way that this bubble has come together for them and it, like they're doing it better than other teams. It's not perfect. It's not whatever, but other, you know, save Miami who seems to be peaking in kind of the same way and figuring it out. The Lakers have just done it better. Um, Jimmy Butler seems to genuinely love the bubble. Like I'm not a hundred percent convinced <laughs> Jimmy's going to leave. Like when this is of, he's going to be like at the end of Ferris Bueller, you know, go home, Jimmy, but I'm bubble serious. Like, Jimmy Butler seems the happiest I've ever seen him in this damn bubble. Like, like everybody else, like, you know, the Lakers are making the best of this. And I think they are handling this from a mental standpoint. I mean, look, I think the four teams remaining, all of them should be credited for the mental fortitude displayed because this is not easy. And going through this is just difficult. It's a, it's a hard thing to deal with, like the, the Groundhog Day element of it. But that being said, I think the Lakers are doing pretty well with it, even though all of them have admitted the minute, the minute this thing is done, they're getting the hell out of there. Jimmy Butler, if they're gonna if walk, else, they're gonna walk straight from the champagne bath like to the airport. They're not even. There will be no pausing in between. Jimmy, by the way, nothing that charter else. is going to be insane yes, on the way home. Will. Like, because yes, can't it, you can't take him out to a club and this and that. No. Just the aesthetics of it. Like, you, you can't go out and party that night. All you can do is get on the charter Jimmy, and just get wasted. Do you want to party in Central Florida? I. I don't a bit like, or if you Forget did it, all you could do is reserve a room where nobody else was in it. So like, you're right. just, you know, it's just you and the same people. But even then, nope, no, nope, 
No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. No, I think Jimmy Butler, if nothing else, will just he'll keep his room. Like he's eventually going to leave. He has to leave. But you know, he, he hangs his hat now in Miami. It's not that far from Orlando. He's going to keep that room. Like he's going to permanently buy that room just for sentimental value. Like it's a it's a place he can go when he's feeling down. Up on it. Do you think Disney actually just puts like a little commemorative next to it? Like like this was the room. Like I used to live in West Hollywood, and like down the street. Um, geez, I, I forget which old timey actress it was that that just opened the coffee spot. Says memories uh, last. Um, like there was a plaque for the actress that lived in the thing at the end of the block is like a historical thing. I think you do that in the hotel for Jimmy Butler and people pay a little bit extra on their Disney vacation with their magic bands to stay in the Jimmy Butler suite. Unless Jimmy Butler's getting a cut of that, there's no way he's letting regular humans soil his room. Like there, there's, there's no shot that happens like regular that, humans. You no, know, he'll just, he'll, I mean, the man's loaded. He's got, you know, just a shit ton of money. He's just going to permanently buy that room. He's going to work out some deal with the Floridian or whatever hotel they're in. He's just going to be like, this is Jimmy Butler's room. Like, and, you know, and when the, the Heat play the Magic, you know, twice a year, no matter what hotel the team stays in once things return to normal, like, he's just going to stay in that room. Every, like team every, every, every time he walks into that resort, it's like, you know, it, it's it's basically Keanu Reeves appearing at the at the Continental. <laughs> oh, Mr. Yes. John Wick, exactly. Yeah. Um, asks, do you think they'll put a commemorative plaque on Daniel House's room? A different one. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, yeah. It's a different plaque. It mm. reads differently. Um, yes. let's talk about Dwight. Um, because Dwight Howard. You, you and I with uh, who was on? It was uh, Matt Moore. We were talking about like Dwight's energy in Game Three, where he really he went like Game One. It was like rediscovering Dwight. And, like the energy was like great, and everybody praised him for the energy. Game Two, he turned it up in ways that were like a little foul trouble. Like, okay, but it was still like on the rails. Game Three was bizarre. It was. Off-putting, it was uncomfortable for me watching 3,500 miles away. I can't imagine what it was like to be next to him. No, I, he, as, he as, I did, as I described it with uh, Matt Moore when he was on with us, because Dwight was, he was playing like a possessed goon as opposed to a, a guy that's out there specifically for defensive skills because he's a really smart defender. He's got that size and athleticism. Like I said, he was like Mark Madsen as a serial killer. Like yeah. I was watching him just going like, what do you do? Like, and it it felt like he was just leaning so far into this irritant role that he had lost himself in it. And look, Dwight is prone to going overboard with blank. I just like, basically like Dwight needs a guy who just stands next to him and goes, dial it back, dial it back, yeah. Dwight. Dial it. Yes, almost like that guy. That commercial where like the, the the old guy teaches the people who become their parents like not yes. to do that. No, he, he needs that he, guy. He needs some type of Yoda, like like a de enthusiasm Yoda, like just somebody who prevents him from going too far with blank. Because I I don't think sort of uh, measured is Dwight's specialty. <laughs> like I I don't think he's very good at at sort of balance. And, no, no. You know, and he's he's so high with energy in anything that he does and he seemed to be just also he was legitimately in the beginning getting under Jokic's skin and 
he just, I think, got too caught up with it. And as Mohizi points out, the TNT guys mentioned that Frank Vogel had a chat with him about that. I had asked Frank Vogel the day before, you know, day before mm -hmm. this game, how concerned are you that uh, Dwight may be losing focus leaning into this? And he said it wasn't a concern. But as I pointed out when I tweeted his response, I don't think he's being forthright. <laughs> and no. it turned out no. he's lying his ass off. I, I was just, I mean, when Dwight showed up to game three with a steel chair, wearing a cape, you know, and, you know, like the, a Mexican the, wrestler mask. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, it's like, it's a little much. It's a little much. Um, you know, he had, you know, the, 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 what did you used to, what do you used to call like the, the girl who used to be like Jimmy Hart, like the mouth of the South? Like there was always the manager and then the girl. He had his Miss Elizabeth with him. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, he could, he could have brought, actually could have brought his own Python. Which was yeah. another big heel turn move in like the mid '80s, '90s for for professional wrestling. He's got like eight of them. I don't but, think they're allowed in in the bubble, but you could have brought one. But but this game though, Dwight, you know he he didn't play a ton in the second half. But the and I think that was I saw a lot of people on Twitter upset about this. I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it. Either. I think a lot of it was Jokic was in foul trouble, and if Jokic isn't out there. There's not a natural matchup for Dwight, but in that first half, Dwight was sensational. I mean, you could argue he was, you could argue that he was the most impactful player in his own right. In oh, first and how many offensive rebounds? I'm going to go back and look at it here, but how many offensive rebounds did he have in the first quarter? Uh, I he will look at it. He was five of six overall. I have the book in front of me. First quarter, Dwight Howard had four offensive rebounds and eight total in the first quarter. He was he was four for four with four offensive rebounds and four buckets and all of off you know all of that those those numbers are related um, like that gets them that's the reason the Lakers finished the first quarter up by seven despite the fact that Denver shot sixty five percent because the late you know Dwight got them so many extra possessions and finished them that way and like that's massive stuff I just think there are times when people have to remember that. Just because a guy's playing well in a moment does not always mean that you have to ride him until it stops. Like Dwight didn't play 35 minutes a night or 30. Like when you want a guy to play with that much energy and that much purpose, 22 and a half minutes is enough. And like, and, and you don't want to hit that point where you get a diminishing return for what you're doing. Sometimes it's best just, to, you know, you got the minutes you wanted you got the matchup you wanted and get out. And I think that's fine. Yeah. I mean, they, they got exactly what they needed from Dwight ultimately. And, and this, this first half, he kept Jokic from, I, or he played a role, if nothing else, in keeping Jokic from being a huge factor. I mean, Jokic was by and large pretty quiet in this game. I mean, the foul yeah. trouble was an issue. He, he, you know, we saw this with game one when, when the Lakers won, we, you discovered, a big way to try to shut down what Denver's doing is get Jokic off the floor. You know, that game they had Jokic and Murray off the floor for a lot of it. And, and Dwight actually played a big role in that. In the first half, he drew the third foul against Jokic, Murray, and Paul Millsap. Like, that's amazing. And, you know, it was fantastic. But I think that played a role in Dwight just losing himself. And, and starting to become, you know, so focused on being this irritant that he wasn't actually being particularly useful as a basketball player. Oh, he's, and he, he was he was harmful in game three. Yes, 
He was, he was, he was not helpful. He was harmful. And you just, you don't want to, you don't want to turn it. You just, you, you got great minutes from him at the beginning of the game. And that's, that's enough. Like you don't need to try to squeeze. Yeah. Role guys. I mean, Dwight at this point is a role player and you know, you don't want to try to squeeze too much out of that with such a, an energy intensive role too. It's not like you're asking, you know, him to kind of cruise around and, play some, hit some three pointers and, you know, kind of just, kind of, you know, no, I mean, he's, that is a, a super intense thing that they're trying to get the guy to do. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, you don't have to get, try to get every ounce out of it. I mean, I, I think part of the frustration is you look around and Markeith Morris, who ended up getting a lot of those minutes, wasn't particularly good tonight. He ends up fouling out with, you know, one bucket, four rebounds in, in 17 and a half minutes. So you compare the two guys and Dwight was obviously more effective, but you know, who else? And Kuz wasn't all that great tonight. You know, so I think fans kind of look around or people look around and say, well, that guy, the, you know, the other options just weren't that good. So why not keep riding Dwight? I think a lot of it is just, you know, it's, it's defense, it's alignments. It's where you then you can put Anthony Davis. It's all that stuff. And like they won the game. It's, it's, I I don't have a lot of criticisms of 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 what they were doing in the fourth quarter. The defense got better, you know, as it needed to. I just well, I think some of it too. I mean, when when you see people reacting on Twitter, it's also because the game is so tight. The Lakers couldn't get rid of Denver, and the stakes are obviously massive. I mean, you know, three to one is a very very different thing than two two. I mean, it you know the late the Lakers three one is right where Denver wants them, Andy. Uh, we we already established we're not doing that. I know. Like remember, Sorry. remember we we, we talked about that. It's not it's not I happening. Know. Right. But, I mean, and and especially too, like when when there were so many times where it felt like the Lakers had discovered this formula to put Denver away, and then Denver keeps coming back. So then naturally you start wondering, okay, is what's Vogel doing wrong? Like what who should he be putting in that would just Step on Denver's neck and be done somebody would fix it, right? Right, and the answer may be nobody because Denver's really good. And if they're playing the way they did tonight, which was by and large really good, and you've got Jamal Murray making just some insane shots, doing, I mean, Jamal Murray was doing absurdly stupid, amazing shit. Like it was just like, like I don't understand half the time. It's like we were talking before, it reminds me of like if Fernando Valenzuela was a was a basketball player because like, you know, classic Fernando, he's not even like looking at the plate when he throws the ball. And yet it was effective for a while. Like, I don't like Murray gets some of these shots off on, on a lot of these turnarounds so quickly. I don't know how he locates the basket. I mean, like, that's what he's, you can't defend that stuff. He you reminds, know? he reminds me a lot in terms of just the herky jerkiness and the circus shots and the creativity in what he does. Reminds me a lot of Manu Ginobili. Like there, I, I think there's a lot of Manu to his game. They're not the exact same players, but but I feel like just the difficulty in guarding somebody like him and like the different angles he can score from. And like one of the things I used to marvel about with Manu all the time, there there would be times where it felt like he was playing horizontally because like his body would be contorted in ways that it almost felt like he was levitating above the floor sideways like just doing weird crap. And Jamal Murray's got some of that levitating sideways weird crap game. And when he does that stuff and makes those shots, like 
you're not going to be able to put Denver away with some type of magic bullet. Like it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's let me ask you this because can you kick my ass? Um they're going to lose this series. Denver. I think it, I I will you know, if it comes back to something else whatever. Denver's going to lose this series. That layup he made was the mo that that you know, the reverse whatever. I don't even yeah. know what to call it. Was one of the most absurd shots. People were comparing it to the you know, the iconic Jordan layup. Um what happens to that shot? Because a lot of times, you know, one individual play when the when the play when the when the team loses when it doesn't become important fades away in memory or whatever. The flip side is, you know, point four is still a thing as we talked about well, the other night. The Lakers lost that series, but point four is still a thing. So what happens to that layup? Here, here's what I think the difference is. Because remember, we were talking about this with Bill Orem, um, and he had because he had written a piece for the Athletics saying that that game two uh, buzzer beater by Anthony Davis was sort of this instantly iconic shot automatically, like in Lakers lore. It, you know, and there's a lot that goes into Lakers lore. Yeah, and I think the difference between good point, the, yes, the difference between I think point four versus the Jamal Murray layup that you're talking about or say Anthony Davis's buzzer beater, but the Lakers end up losing to Miami in the finals, let's say, or Boston, right, if they end up coming back. The difference with point four is Derek Fisher already had three titles. Like, and he was part of a core that had already won championships. So that shot, I think feels like it's attached to championships, even if it technically isn't. You know what I mean? Like right. he, they, they don't end up going to go on to win, but like, like win a title out of it. But the Murray thing didn't even win the game. That's what's like you know. But but I mean, as, as amazing as point four was, that layup is better. Like it's just like I mean, yeah, I, you, you understand what I'm getting. Really at. Like, honest, it's a shame I mean, that might go away. Well, it will. In the grand scheme of things, it's going Damn to disappear it. into the ether, which sucks. I mean, it's an amazing shot, and you'll you'll see it as a permanent part of Jamal Murray's highlight reel and his resume, and it his should be. And, yeah, his mixtape, exactly. Jamal Murray mixtape. But, like, you know, it's going to disappear to some degree. I mean, it just will um, because it's going to happen in a Western Conference Finals that, in theory, Denver could lose in five. Yeah. You know, and, and just in the grand scheme of things, stuff like that goes away. Yeah, it's a shame that that play really. I mean, I know Lakers fans don't want that. That play needed to happen in the uh, what was undoubtedly the expression of the night, winning time. You know what? It needed to happen. Like he needed to hit that shot in Game Seven against the Clippers. Like timing is everything. Yes, because you hit that shot in a Game Seven upset series. Mm -hmm. Everybody remembers it. Then, then it doesn't go away. Like in the same way, the bye bye shot by Damian Lillard or his shot against Houston. Those Blazers teams ultimately didn't go any further than where Denver's going to end up going, I think. But they were part, of the, you know, they were on the the good side of a win, so that's the difference. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a winning time player, Andy? I put up a poll. Eighty <laughs> percent. I, I mean, I mean, double check to make sure I got it right. Um, I was a little surprised at the results. I think it's something like eighty percent of America. Um, and that is the sample that I assume our polls are. Eighty percent of America considers themselves to be a winning time player. Uh, yes, yeah, seventy nine point one percent. 
there needed to be a follow-up question. Have you ever been in a winning time game? Like, because some people may just be imagining themselves, you know, a winning, uh, a winning time player. Like, like for example, I fancy myself somebody that, you know, if, if shit really went down, like, you know, and there were a bunch of terrorists, things like that, or, you know, like, you know, like what happens in Die Hard. Like, exactly. I, I fancy myself as somebody who could play the role of John McClane and yes, take people out. Absolutely. Like, I imagine myself in that role all the time. So I would answer that poll if you put out, like, do you fancy yourself a John McClane? I would vote yes. Now, if you said, have you ever been tested in your faith as being a John McClane? I have to answer honestly, no. But do I consider myself a John McClane? Yes, I do. Hey! Now, uh, here's the guy who's a winning time player. He knows <laughs> to step up in winning time. Dragonfly Jones. Thanks yeah. so much for working through the technical issues, man. I, that is the worst thing ever. When you restart the computer, and it's like, sorry, I got to update. Right, right. Like, I swear those updates have been the worst possible. <laughs> May not so be far... So far, yeah, we can't we can't hear you. <laughs> um, we're, so we're not out of the woods yet. AK the, the bald Mark Wahlberg. Yes, uh, exactly. That's, well, that's how you know who he's aiming for. He's going for Jason Statham, and if you don't, I am give going for Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. He gets really upset. Um, uh, so <laughs> working through the tech issues with uh, Dragonfly Jones, uh, co-host of the Jenkins and Jones podcast, which is fantastic and so funny so much fun it is phenomenal he's also a great great follow on twitter at dragonfly jones with a z at the end um definitely want to be following that we'll work out these tech issues in just a sec big time laker fan too so we know he was excited about what happened tonight um hmm if you can you hear us i can't tell you might need to drop out and drop back in. I'll I'll, I'll text him. Uh, okay. But anyway, yeah, it's just like this is one of these these things. It's like, oh, you know what? Are we? Is do we have to unmute him? No, I think. No, well, maybe I can. Let's see here. Unmute see if you can unmute him. Because oh, their mic like can't unmute your guest. Their mic isn't connected. Okay. Okay. Mike is not connected. Mom is calling. It's twelve thirty in San Luis. Should I have picked that up? <laughs> She's gonna call no. you now, probably. Yeah, probably. We're still unable, but <laughs> Dragonfly, we still can't hear you. Um, but I that I'm a little. What do I do? Mom just called. It's twelve thirty in St. Louis, where where our mother is. She may have just watched the game. She may have it's been up possible. Get mom on the stage. There's no, no way <laughs> our mother in this room. Yeah, it, I don't know if Dragonfly can hear us. I, I'll, I'll text him on whether or not he might need to disconnect and then reconnect. We'll, okay. we'll try that. Um, I'm, I'm letting him know too that his mic may be muted. Uh, DMing. But uh, anyway, one of the one of the things that I thought was really interesting with this game tonight is. Until like the last five or so minutes, it it felt like it was shaping into this game where the quote-unquote number two guys 
on both teams, we're going to end up feeling more impactful and making more of a difference than the quote unquote number one guys. Um, because um, Anthony Davis for most of this game was, I thought, more effective and more impactful, especially in the beginning of the game than LeBron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. There, there were periods where LeBron honestly looked a little gassed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes I think that comes through in shot selection. Um, you know, he it looked a lot like LeBron was settling. Um, and then yeah, there were a lot of jumpers. Yeah, I mean, a lot of jumpers, and frankly, a lot of them not going down. And then you also had uh, Jokic, just he got outplayed in this game by Jamal Murray, and it wasn't even close. But then, like the last, I don't know, five minutes of the game where you've got LeBron specifically asking to to pick up Jamal Murray defensively. And Frank Vogel said afterwards, like, this was LeBron's idea. He went up to – nobody had been able to slow Jamal Murray down. So Vogel, it's Vogel's original plan. He talked about it after the game. He was actually just not – he was just going to sit him. <laughs> LeBron wasn't even going to play. And instead, they came up with a plan where he guarded Jamal Murray. And that's why he didn't win Coach of the Year. Right. But, uh, like, they say LeBron coaches the team. And then LeBron came into this game, I mean, those last five minutes when he picked up Jamal Murray, and he was terrific. His defense on Jamal Murray was the the best I think we saw of any individual guy against Jamal Murray in this game. And, you know, he bothered him on a few shots at the rim. There was one he got away with a foul. But, you know, stuff like that is going to happen. LeBron certainly gets fouled too. But he really, I thought, made a really big difference and ended up in you know in ways that LeBron does because he's just that great. He ended up putting his stamp on the game. Like ultimately, you know, and I realize I'm saying this about a guy who had a near triple double. He had 26, nine, and eight with no turnovers. Uh, Lakers only had nine on the whole game, and three of them were for Anthony Davis. Like, I and mean, this yeah. was a big reason. You know, we've talked about this a lot over the course of this year, Brian. Like, the Lakers are often a team that get really, really careless with the ball, often unprompted. And when that happens, they are really vulnerable. But when they take care of the ball, they're a really, really hard team, I think, to capitalize on their mistakes. and For sure. They did a great job with that tonight. And LeBron down the stretch made a really big difference. I just, I mean, it, it does give you an idea of how good. I mean, Jokic had the foul trouble, but like you look at their final boxes, LeBron had 26, uh, 8, 26, 9, and 8. And Jokic had 16, you know, 16, 7, and 4 um, with two steals and all that. Like, you know, you look at that and you're like, that's a bad game for Nikola Jokic, especially given what he's been doing. In the, and like LeBron, it's like, hey, you know, he was pretty good tonight. He wasn't great. You know, 26, 8, and 9. I mean, that's, that's, or 9 and 8. That's the standard like the guy has set up. And, you know, I, what helps and what's you know that is not a game that's not a line that the lakers can get by with if ad doesn't elevate and i think that's the big thing that we've seen throughout the playoffs lebron has been very good in the playoffs and you do worry a little bit about running out of energy which is why it'd be really nice if the lakers could get out of this nice for them if they could get out in five but you know like that line you know what was he from the floor eight of you know, 14, he didn't have a great percentage. He finished he was 11 of uh, 14. Seven, 7 of 18. 
So, oh, you know, not, not, not an official night. Uh, not an efficient night. If if AD isn't really good, they're not that that's not a game they win. And so you're getting that elevated performance from Anthony Davis in like you need your two superstars to be what they are, and they got it tonight from him, which was really cool. Yeah. All right, try it again. Can you hear us? Can I can okay? No. <laughs> Fortunately, we can lip read. Oh, he's got a microphone and everything. Look at that setup. I've got faith. I've got I faith. This is going to work. I think I we can too. do this. You really shouldn't have updated your computer. The old version worked better. Oh, I like the old school King's hat. I remember that font. Oh, yeah. A great font. That was a classic era of hat making. Can you hear us at all? Yo, he can hear us. Okay. You can hear us. This is always the really tension-filled moment for the for the for the audience. Hmm. This is the first time we've had somebody had trouble connecting to the show. Yeah, I just realized that. Johnny Barry says he'd have been a better contributor uh, than Dragonfly to this point. I actually don't know if that's true, Johnny. And we love you, but I don't know. Um, what do you think, Andy? <laughs> no. We're, I was in the part of that I feel bad. It's like, you know, it sucks. It sucks for the audience because he's really, really just super entertaining guy who loves the Lakers and, and, and basketball. I feel bad for the person. I know. Oh, like, God. staying up late to do this and like, you no, know, no. trying to like, he's going to spend an hour, you know, messing with his computer. Um, it's better, though, than the position Keith Knight was in, uh, the, the creator of Woke when we had him on last week. And, and he was doing this show from North Carolina yeah, and having tech issues. And, you know, we, we felt terrible because they, they were genuinely on uh, his end. Uh, okay. Let's, we're trying it again. Can you hear us? Ah, um, we have a suggestion that you should just use uh, the computer audio rather than trying to connect the mic. I don't know if you've tried that or not. We'll take whatever sound you can produce. Doesn't have to be studio clean. This is weird. This has never happened. In the meantime, now people are worried about our mom I, because she I, called, and <laughs> I mean, I don't want to call back because I'm not entirely sure she was really awake when she called. No, um, occasionally she'll wake up and you know, sort of half asleep, and call one of us, and you can tell when she calls, right? Because it's twelve thirty. Really, the woman should be right. asleep. She's in her seventies. No, we're not using Zoom. Uh, granted, LA, we're using a platform called Streamyard. Right. Oh man, this is gonna be this such is a terrible. Problem. I know. I feel uh, awful. Okay, so how long do you think this goes? Not this with Dragonfly. I mean, this meaning the series. I think Denver ha may have one more game in them. I actually really do. Like, because this series has been game one aside, really tight. It's three hundred. You know, I think somebody put out the number since game one. It is three hundred and twenty-five to three hundred and twenty-five. Which is, by the way, exactly the way Heat Celtics have been. I mean, that's yeah. been super tight on balance. Three, Andy, 300, you said it's been close. It's been really close. 325 right. to 325. No, no, I, I sure. Yes. I, I didn't know the exacts, but um, right, that's, I, I, you, your instinct is correct. Um, and because, because of that. Okay, right. here we go. 
I'm gonna shake some incense before we we do anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little little dance. We're gonna figure something out. Everybody, send your positive vibes. And here we go. Damn it! <laughs> wait, no, wait. I think I heard something. Or was that Andy? No, I think that was me. It's faint. No, wait, no, that's faint. I think I do hear him. I think I hear you faint. This is so frustrating. This has never happened before. This is what, you know what we need is an intern to run one of those tin cans of <laughs> just with a really long string. See if there's anything. I don't know if I, I'm trying to like on our end. Like, is there something I can't mute him or unmute him? I can only mute him. Mute him. Mute Mike. Unmute. Okay. Let's see here. Are you going through a laptop? Name bands. I'm not going to ban you from the studio. That seems excessive. Kick from studio. That seems excessive. You're not doing anything wrong. Um, we we could do the Keith Knight just have him call you and put you on a speaker thing. We did that once. We, we did, did that, that once. with, with actually Keith Knight. It was surprisingly effective. It was actually. It actually worked very well. Should we try it? Okay. All right. I will. Uh, uh, you want to text him your number? We'll text sure. some numbers here. I'm going to DM you my number. Uh, hang on one sec. This is like enterprising. Like, is the mic plugged in? Yes, John Tyson. I think we tried that already. Come on. Give him a little credit. <laughs> Man has his own podcast, for God's sakes. Is the mic plugged in? I disagree with this. Series has been close since game one blowout. It's kind of a pick and choosy stat. No, it means the next three games, they've scored the exact same amount of points. It's been a pretty even series. That's the idea. Right, which is why I do think ultimately that the Lakers... I mean, that Denver is actually capable of getting one more game off the Lakers. Like, I, my original prediction was Lakers in six, and maybe I'm thinking this in part just because I want to be smart. All right, let's give this a try. Hello? <laughs> I like how you answer that like you don't know who it is. Hello? Well, okay, now, can everybody hear Dragonfly? Well, you got to talk. <laughs> All right, turn him up. Can, can you guys hear him? You got to put him closer to the mic. Audible. He's still soft. We've done this before. <laughs> oh, the old acting stuff. Okay, barely. Let's see if I can turn this up. Um, <laughs> New phone. Who did? We did that. We actually, when we had a a guest on like a couple weeks ago, th this was we we're having an issue. Because of his Wi-Fi, so let's see. Do you, Brian, do you remember how we did this last time? I think you turned you you made sure no, you had your, your, your external okay. speakers. W your computer speakers, and then you just held it right up to the speakers. And also, probably shouldn't project his phone number onto the screen if you could avoid doing that. All right. Can everybody hear now? Can everyone hear Dragonfly? Oh, talk. <laughs> Can you guys hear him? Yeah, that's better. It's better. We're getting there. Okay. All right. So, how are you? I'm, I'm good, man. Um, you know, apologies for the technical difficulties, but I'm glad we're working things through here. Excellent. So, how excited were you with this win, man? I will say I enjoyed the ride, though. And I feel like 
LeBron AD panel, you know, pulling it all off because we uh, we had Claire Russell LeBron take a team with George Hill as a second to LeBron to the finals. You know what I mean? So it's like you know, I am not stressing at all, but um, it was a performance particularly. I don't my couch about, but you know, winning ugly is something to definitely, you know, I, I think that's something that people overreact for in the wrong side of the spectrum here this late in the playoffs. So I think winning ugly in this late is something to be applauded rather than something to be concerned about. I don't think there is such a thing though as winning ugly. I think you either just win or you don't win. Like I, 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 I don't. But I'm, I'm again. I'm you. 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 You feel this viscerally in ways that I don't. I'm just like. You know, because like you, you care more deeply if they win, frankly, that than, than I do. But like, I just don't think you can be picky at this point. But yeah, you're right. Like you, you don't like anything. That's not, but Lejethro is the same way. Like if they don't win by thirty, he's my group I was talking about that every time the Lakers did not win by twenty, bro. Oh, we we, we when uh, Lejethro was on with us like a couple weeks ago. He said that he I think it was during the uh it was during the Houston series, he got up and left like during one of the games. Like for like 20 minutes, he walked out. He was just like, I can't deal with this. We actually asked him, like, is it they ended up winning? We were like, we want to confirm. You know they won, right? Like you actually you actually saw the final result. <laughs> How on earth could they possibly forget what Denver has done when literally every question between now and either the beginning of game five, certainly the beginning of game six, if they lose it, and obviously game like he's gonna be you guys know Denver came back from three one. Are you worried about getting complacent? Like every question is gonna be like that. So I mean the element of surprise is gone. Yeah, that's actually – I mean, it's interesting with uh, – one of the things that, that really stood out to me during this game, Dragonfly, was seeing how down the stretch of the stretch of this game when it's really tight, LeBron and AD as the Lakers' two best players are two guys that can really be true two-way players and like, vers- and like versatile in the way that they can take on defensive assignments. And, you know, LeBron in like the last five minutes – guarded Jamal Murray and that was his idea and you know we've seen AD guard every position in every series as great as Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are they're not stars like that you know what I mean like and you you start seeing 
the limitations that Mike Malone has as a coach that Frank Vogel doesn't have. And every single option when you you know when you're in the Western Conference Finals, they all matter. Exactly that. And you know, that's kind of the same thing that I was kind of with Jeff in the group said. I was like, bro, during all these times when when LA's back is against the wall, they come out swinging and they do not they, they win that rank. You know what I mean? And I'm like, bro, like I I, I told him, I said, dude. The bottom line is this. It's LeBron with the best teammate LeBron has ever had. Like, stop trying to convince yourself that this royal flush that we have here is going to be beat by a four of a kind. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like Jokic and Murray are ballers, but they are not, you know, a hand that can beat, you know, AD and Bron. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, they, this is all, all we do when we talk about the NBA is like, well, the best team with the best player. Like we give the MVP award to the, the best team with the best player. And they're like, and it is hard to conjure up scenarios where the Lakers don't win a title without somebody getting hurt or them just truly shitting the bed. Where because they it's not even like they have the two best players left in the series. They have the two best players in the in the playoffs. They've got the two best players left in the playoffs by a pretty good margin. Like who it's not like Jokic is third like you know in the you know the consensus third best player fourth best player like murray butler Jokic, you know these are like top 10 ish guys whatever but ad and lebron are like clearly two or three of the four best players in basketball like that should right. win you a title at this point right right and, and um you know draymond said it himself tonight he said Y'all overthink basketball. It's a simple game. And I think that, that, that you know, that kind of plays back to this. Like I said, like, you know, we're talking about, I, I don't get, you know, being more upset at an ugly win than you're happy at a, you know, ugly win this late in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, bro, it's, it's Bron and AD, man. Like I said, we saw Bron, the last time Bron was in the playoffs, he took George Hills to the finals. You know what I mean? So, 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 like, what are we even pressing? You know what? I don't even consider tonight an ugly win. I mean, like, I think both teams were just playing well. Like, Denver's good. Like, Denver's actually a good team. Jamal Murray was doing Jedi shit tonight. I mean, like, that was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Jamal Murray was out there playing a horse, and he was dropping everything he threw up there. He was, he's ridiculous. But, but yeah, man, I I mean, exactly that. Like, I think so many people want to see this fight that blow out win. And if we don't get that, then that's when everyone presses the panic button and starts wondering. And no, no, it, I don't. That is not time. This is not that time yeah, at all. Like I was more impressed by you know the, the Lakers winning a grinded out game here than I would have been if they like you know pulled somebody out or whatever. What, what did you think of LeBron's game overall? Because it, it was we I like I, we were talking about this before uh, before you were able to get it you know connect with us. He ended up making this huge impact at the end of the game, and he obviously didn't play badly. But there were t- but there were times where he didn't feel completely in rhythm. Like times where I, I thought he actually was looking tired. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Brian is um, he set the ball so hard for himself. I think he had what twenty nine eighty six tonight. Yeah, and it still yeah still felt like a game where Brian didn't leave it all out there. Um, but, you know, he put that switch where he, he wanted Murray to play the game. And I feel like, like, even if Brian wasn't the best offensive player out there in the game, he still felt like the most important 
Laker out there on the floor during that stretch. You know what I mean? So, so, so that's the thing about Brown. Like, I'm not sure if he was bored or whatever, but I definitely don't feel like he gave his best tonight. He might be saving that until, you know, Saturday or the finals or whatever, but. Um, that's kind of the story with, with these finals. Like, we haven't necessarily seen, you know, world be LeBron game in and game out, and he's 35, so maybe we'll be both see that game in and game out from here on out. But, yeah, that's definitely something that, that caught my eye, too. I can't imagine looking to do, like, professional sports at the level these guys do it at, at that age. Like, you know, or, like, or you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees going out there in their 40s, like, Man, I I hurt getting out of bed from doing from doing nothing from like nothing. Like I, I actually I may have to see a doctor because I feel like I have a hairline fracture in one of my hands. I've done nothing. Like literally, I, I've been in quarantine. Like what the hell could I have done? Like I don't know how these guys do that, but especially like somebody like LeBron. Like basketball is so demanding and physical. It's he's insane. Got so many miles, so many NBA miles on his body, bro. He's got like two full seasons, you know, of just postseason play on the on that odometer. It's nuts. It's it's absolutely just insane. Um, so when did you become a fan? Like, how did you end up a Laker fan? How did that happen? Oh, I wouldn't say I'm a Laker fan. I would want to clarify that I am a LeBron fan. Oh, <laughs> I, would wow. say, I would say, um, I would say, um. You know, I always liked Brian ever since he first popped on our radar, you know, back in like 0203. I always liked the kid. Um, I would think that his 25 straight versus Detroit was when I was like, yeah, this kid is special. Like, that was kind of the moment where he became my favorite guy in the league. I've just been kind of there ever since. Okay. Because the reason I know I assumed, I, I know the reason I assumed that you were a Laker fan is just the, the sheer joy you've taken in the Clippers' demise. Like, the, the last. Oh, yes. The last the last podcast you guys did, uh, Jenkins and Jones. Oh my god, that was funny. The the Clipper slander. Oh, oh my! But but it seemed like more than fun. It seemed personal. <laughs> it seemed really in, like truly enjoyed. Well, I mean, it's it's funny. Like we, the other, you know, we were talking about how the Lakers, you know, really ought to win a title this year. They should be the prohibitive favorites. Like you forget, they need to win because the Warriors are coming back next year. Like I, I always forget. Like Denver's gonna be good. Dallas is on the rise. And oh, by the way, the entire Warriors team, which was a dominant like dynastic group, is basically healthy again next year, and they have like a number one pick or whatever. Like there's a lot going on there. Yeah, and they've got what um, top three pick coming up too there. Yep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, 
I, I will say that I'm not as afraid of the KD left Warriors, as, of course, as I am of you know, um, um, you know the KD Warriors. But but yeah, it's just definitely time to you know get it in while you can because you got two of the greatest shooters ever on the same team, and and shooter doesn't go anywhere. It's just all about getting your shot. You know that's what deteriorates. But we'll see what, what those two are looking like. So yeah, definitely something to be concerned about. Absolutely. Yeah, the 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 just the the incredible Paul George slander that went on during that last show. It all, it got me thinking though about how like when the historians look back on like the last ten years of the NBA and, and everything that took place, Paul George is going to be this really pivotal character in all of this because like remember the, the Lakers could have traded for him, but they didn't want to give up. Brandon Ingram or the pick that ended up Lonzo. And they also, they thought they had Paul George in the bag to like to the point where they were, they were clear in cap space. You know, they moved D'Lo, they moved Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. And then Paul George ends up staying in OKC, committing without even taking a meeting. Like Russell Westbrook is doing that party with Nas, <laughs> you know, like that. I mean, that's craziness. Then he ends up leaving in a year, demanding his way to the Clippers, who end up giving up everything for him in order to secure Kawhi Leonard. And then now everybody's worried that that could be, or, or some people licking their chops, that that could actually blow up in another year, in which case Paul George will go somewhere else. Like It's, it's kind of crazy how pivotal he's been in all this. Yeah, he has been extremely pivotal. Um you know, you can say that that he's the guy who who ended the the Russell Westbrook Oklahoma City era, right? Because absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah. After that loss from um from Portland, and after you know Kawhi wanted him to come on board with 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 the Clips, the um Oklahoma City had a real important decision to make here. Like, can we win with Russ and PG, or or will we never get more from blowing it up? Than if we did, if we blew it up now, you know what I mean. Of course, we know what decision they made there. So yeah, it's um yeah yeah. Paul George is a really interesting character in, in this in the whole chessboard of the modern NBA, and I honestly do not feel like he's worth all of the weight that his chest has there. Because that was going to be my question. Like, because if you look back, like if you're an alien and you come down and you just you you don't know what this basketball is, but you read the history of it. And at the one hand, you look at like the mountains that were moved multiple times to get Paul George from A to B, whether concerts or draft picks or whatever, versus like the Twitter chatter over what the guy actually did in in big moments in the playoffs. It won't make a lot of sense. Exactly, exactly. Like um, I've always said that I was never high on Paul George because I felt like. His market value made him a tier one guy when he's a tier two talent, right? Like there are very few, you know, two way players as good as Paul George in the league, like three or four maybe. And you know, you gotta pay him for that, right? Because he's a rare commodity there. But I don't think he's a guy who you can latch your franchise onto and say you're the Robin that's gonna lead us, you know, to 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 a championship or multiple championships. Absolutely not. He is not that guy. Well, you know what part of it is? Like he looks the part. Like Paul George so looks the yeah. part of the guy that should just be insanely good. <laughs> like, right, right. Six nine guy, super long, a 
long wingspan, you know, two-way guy. He shoots a three-ball. Like, he's everything you want in number two. But it just doesn't all come together when it's needed the most. Yeah, I mean, like, but he also, he just looks like an athlete. Like, it, like body type, like everything. And, like, and he is really athletic. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's weird, but that, but. And and he's it's also weird because he has that reputation that's been building as a guy who doesn't come through when it actually matters, yet he is coveted and he's still thought of as that guy. Well, it's not, he doesn't suck. I mean, he is not a, a bad you know, he had that moment, yeah, that stretch was it last year or the year before where for like six weeks he was the best player in the NBA or close to it. Like you know, he's had moments, but you're right, like the playoff thing, and you know, I I felt really you know in a pandemic it was even worse. But like, yeah, just you know, the parts that really matter for being that elite, elite guy, he hasn't obviously hasn't played well. Right, right. And if your number two guy can't be a number one, but the number one is struggling, then you don't really have a good number two guy. And Paul George is not that guy. So now you had, uh, I believe, you'd wanted to get into playoff Rondo, and, and just the appreciation of playoff Rondo. Uh, On on Ronda during the season, I feel like I feel like when you know Ron sat and he turned all this over to Ronda, it was ugly basketball, man. It was horrendous basketball. But oh my god, he's been ridiculous this postseason in, in the best possible way. And you made the point. I saw you made the point on Twitter early in the night. Like at this point, if you're the Lakers, like you like you sign him again for next year and just let him. I don't know what numbers he made up, but he shoots like. 14% and turns them all over nine times a game. It doesn't matter because all that matters is this guy in the playoffs. There's been so many stretch, so many pivotal stretches that don't pivot the way they do for the Lakers advantage this whole season if it's, if it's not Toronto. It's just been ridiculous, man. You know, it's a little bit it's a little bit like Robert Ory was. You know, like, you know, because during the regular season, you know, he had this reputation that I know he didn't like because I've heard him talk about not liking it as somebody that would coast and, you know, wouldn't really rev up until the playoffs began. But then once the playoffs began, like Robert Ori becomes this assassin and, you know, he becomes somebody that's way better than his stats, you know, or like, you know, way better than the sum of his parts. And, you know, Rondo's actually putting up numbers, but there's also too like Rondo – because of his reputation, like he gets a lot of leeway from the refs. Like, you know, he can get away with a lot of handsy stuff that other guys can't just because of who he is. And like this playoff Rondo thing, like it actually is a thing. Like he's demonstratively like, better. Haverstrow, Tom Haverstrow, like pointed it out. Like he's got like the, 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 he elevates his PER more than any player ever in the playoffs. I don't know if there's a particularly like I do not see a difference in the style of play from regular season Rondo and playoff Rondo. It's just like playoff Rondo sees things different in the gambles that he makes in the regular season that don't pay off pay off in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. And um I don't know. That that's just that veteran seven. Hate to go all cliche here, but you need a like playoff basketball has a rhythm. There's a motion to it. There's a you know, a, a feeling to it that the vets know when to get in that pocket and know how the game is flown. And Rondo has that shit, man. I mean, yeah. It's funny. Like, I, 
I did a, a, pre, a an interview this this afternoon for the uh, ESPN affiliate in OC, and they asked me, you know, you know, obviously there's LeBron, there's AD. Who do you trust to be that third guy tonight? And I'm like, well, you know, it's supposed to be Kuzma, but it hasn't been that. I mean, honestly, at this point, you kind of say Rondo, and I actually stopped and I was like, there is literally no way you could get who could have gotten me to 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 use that sentence six weeks ago. Like no, like it was like the idea that I trust Rondo in the playoffs before this thing's absolutely not. But that's where we are now with the Lakers. Can you could tell because when he was bad in Game Three in the first half, the whole thing fell apart. Like the team was off. Yeah, and then and then he had that ridiculous fourth quarter where he was responsible for like four straight turnovers. You know, that he forced, you know, that got them the LA back in the game. So, yeah, man, definitely. No, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But I mean, sorry. I, I remember in the, in the two, in the 2001 run where the Lakers, where the Lakers ended up beating the Sixers in the finals, Ron Harper was on that team. And he, I mean, at this point, Ron Harper was like a shell of a shell of himself. You know, I mean, he, he could, he could like barely walk. And he, yeah. he did not play much in these playoffs at all. But there was a game where the Lakers just got completely out of sorts and like out of character. And they were just sort of falling apart. And Phil put Ron Harper in this game. And I remember being like, Wait, oh, my God, I forgot Ron Harper was even on this team. And Harper played for like seven minutes, scored like five points, totally settled the team down. Then he, Phil took him out. And the Lakers won the game, and Ron Harper didn't play the rest of the series. Like, I, I don't even know if he was active for every game. But, it, like, you're watching that going, like, oh, God, like, that's what they're talking about with these veteran guys. Like, like you know, why every coach keeps one or two of them around. And, you know, Rondo has a bigger role than that. But it's, like, the same principle. Because, I mean, like, when he put in Ron Harper, I was like, what are you putting in Ron Harper for? Like, what what's that going to help? And it's like, oh, oh. He saved the game. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I mean, we fall in love with the flashy young guys, but you have got to be a special young guy to will your team to an NBA title. Like, like if it was some guys under 25, there is very, very few who have, you know, pulled that off. Like, you're talking about the greatest, like, like, you know, magic. You know what I mean? Like, Bird, like, you know, that 06 run Wade had, you know, like, it, the, the winning formula in this league has always been you get you two or more all NBA guys and you get a roster full of cheap, cheap, crafty, smart veterans. That has always been the winning formula in the NBA. So yeah. So uh, so where do you think this goes from here? Do you think do you think they close them out? Do you think it extends a little bit longer? And then if it's Lakers Heat because it looks like that's where it's heading, how, how do you think that shakes out? Yeah, I. I definitely, you know, I said it was going to be Lakers at five from, from, from jump, and me giving Denver one was not me disrespecting them, it was me thinking the world of them. But me thinking that this Lakers team was, you know, just that much better. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I definitely think the Lakers close this out on Saturday. I think they're going to have a ridiculous game where everybody's clicking on everything, and they probably, you know, stink the shit out of Denver by like 15. Um, but, you know, it. it the Miami potential final series, that's a series that concerns me because, um, 
you know, if, if we're talking like, you know, if we got the Lakers Sixers, um, I mean the Lakers Celtics, it would be so much easier for the Lakers to game plan because I feel like, you know, I might be oversimplifying shit here, but the scouting report is like, slow take them down, you got a really good shot here. And slowing take them down is something that is achievable. Um, you know, no shots to take He's a ridiculous guy, but he's not on that, you know, you can't. Right. Uh, you can only hope to contain him strategy yet. He'll get there one day, but he's not there yet. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I think there's, there's probably not a, a, a coach in the league who knows LeBron better than Spo, an opposing coach. And also, you know, they've got, like, they just move that ball around so much. You have no idea who's going to, you know, have a night. Like, we saw Tyler Hero go for 37. You know, we had four guys from Miami, you know, put up 20-plus that night. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think that Lakers heat would be a series that would definitely challenge LeBron at the Lakers more than I just think that like there's a certain like I said like there's like a wild card factor that's there with Miami that I don't think is there with Boston like you're right it's just like you kind of know what Boston like Boston's got two Jalen Brown Jason Tatum on the wing the Lakers at least throughout a lot of the year couldn't defend wings for shit like it's been a problem but I still I agree with you. Like there's and then, and now you start getting into like the weird sort of intangibly, you know, you make you know you get like a tingle in your knee kind of stuff. Like they just sort of freak you out. They're 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 frightening because maybe because they're different, maybe because they're unknown and unexpected. They just scare you more. At least me. Right, right. It, it, it's kind of it's kind of like like college basketball. You know, neutral floors and you right. Know, Deepest, the deepest, best coaches teams are going to give you the most problems. You know what I mean? And, and that's exactly what Miami is. They're deep as hell and they're extremely well coached. So, yeah. So I, I got I got one uh, last Clippers question for you that just occurred to me that I that again after listening to the latest uh, Jenkins and Jones, I, I thought it was worth asking. Uh, which was your favorite of the Clippers slogans? Um, streamlights over spotlights. <laughs> We over me, we over me, or <laughs> or driven not given. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Those are all terrible. Like me over me, driven not given. Like they were just looking for words that rhyme and just trying to tie put shit together. There, but um. I hilarious about streetlights over spotlight and look a full disclosure we know a lot of people at the clippers organization i think they're a really well organization. they got a lot of really great people over there but you can't be the streetlight team when two a-list stars force their way to your team yeah like you're no longer the gritty little underdog when like literally two of the biggest players in the league Demanded to be on in your franchise, and you're owned by the the richest owner in North American sports. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the dude who went crazy during the whole Microsoft. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, like, the like, guy on the stage. That's your ball. Yeah. Like, 
Balmer could purchase the bus family like many times over <laughs> and they're loaded <laughs> and like their income is nothing to Balmer. Yeah. Yeah. Balmer's been ridiculously rich since like 1992 or some shit. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you lose the streetlight over spotlight. I just wanted to, I wanted to get your opinion on, on those slogans. Yeah. All, all those colors are clear. I don't, I really don't think that there's anything the Clippers can do besides get out of Los Angeles. That will never be the Clippers fan. I think like the 35 years they've been there have shown that like it's time to forge your own identity, man. Cause that is Lakers. Dude bought his own arena. Like the the, the thing, but it doesn't matter if it may, never makes a nickel. He's that rich. Uh, I don't think they're going anywhere. The, my last question that I thought of this while we were talking about Paul George, like you guys would both agree, there's like a certain awkwardness about Paul George and a certain need to feel, well, at least it projects like a need to kind of feel loved and appreciated. I mean, I don't think that's that's unfair. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Like got the stories that he gave the whole inspirational, hey, let's get back to a next season, you know, speech after their season ended, and nobody wanted any parts of that. Like, that, that was the story that was just dropped, so yeah. Okay, so the only other guy that I can think of that he's like definitely has gone through his career needing, you know, that kind of love and adulation and appreciation more uh, is Dwight. Just out of curiosity, let's say Dwight was in the same situation as PG was and Westbrook was trying to keep him in Oklahoma City. He had Nas show up for Paul George. That's a good get. <laughs> what, what level of like rapper or hip hop star or just musical act do you think he like Westbrook could have gotten away with to keep Dwight in town? Because I don't th I don't think it's the same caliber. I don't think you need to go as high. Yeah, I think I don't know, man. I think I think if Dwight got someone like let me think. I'm trying to think of who you would want to appeal to Dwight with because Dwight does not seem like a you know a hardcore hip hop head. And like if it's not on the radio, I'm sure Dwight doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> 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 let me see. I, I think I think you know with the way Travis Scott has you know you know been on the whole McDonald's run. I think if you got like Travis Scott. To come out, you know, the, the kind of Dwight talk, going, "Oh my God, he's Travis Scott, the, the McDonald's burger guy." He's already over That that burger, I, I think, is I, I've seen a couple of commercials for it, and I'm looking at, I'm like, it just seems like a McDonald's burger. Like, yeah, it's just a, like quarter pound of white bacon. It's got bacon on it. It's a bacon quarter pounder. Yeah, I, I saw like on, on Twitter, people were going nuts over this. And like, you know, like there was this big deal that Travis Scott had his own burger. I'm looking, I'm like, I'm pretty sure McDonald's has done that exact burger just without his name attached. Like, right. We've been through this before. <laughs> Come on, Travis Scott. <laughs> like, like, you know, get get something original to you specifically. Like it just. Just it it felt like it didn't meet up to the hype. That's all I'm saying. Just it just didn't feel like it was there. I mean, but real real quick, real quick before we let you go, I I wanted to ask you this just because you're a very very good social media follow. Uh, uh, Dragonfly Jones with a Z for people not following. You should be. What what do you? And this is a really broad question, but I'm just curious what your answer is. What do you want out of social media? Like, like, what do you, what's the appeal to you? And, and like, what, what do you look to do with it? 
Um, you know, I I've been on Twitter since shit. Uh, 2009, I want to say, right? Like, I, I just hopped on there on some, on some, you know, kill, kill the time while I'm at work type shit. And, um, I, I've been blessed to make, you know, a lot of good friends, real life friends off of it. And, you know, made, made some, you know, some, some job opportunities and made some money off of it. But, um, I never hopped out on Twitter, like, hey, this is what's gonna, you know, take me to the next level. This is my, my, you know, trampoline to be famous. I was never like that. You know what I mean? So, so I'm just kind of, you know, just like, you know, winning, winning out of like I said earlier, I'm just enjoying the ride, bro. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you got to go listen to the uh, Jenkins and Jones podcast, particularly the last episode. Uh, but it's always a lot of fun. The, the guys have a, do a great job over there. It's, it's, it's tons of fun. We, we, <laughs> Says he feels like Dwight gets hyped to Old Town Road. If you don't mind, we'll, we'll do this again. You find another night that works for you. I know you got a ton going on. We'll find another night and maybe like try it, you know, properly, yeah. not through the speakerphone. Um, sure, we'd, sure. We'd, love to, we'd love to have you back. back here again during the finals, man, when everyone's. Worrying about the Lakers being up three-one in the finals or whatever again. So yeah, awesome man. Thank you. We appreciate it, man. Thank you very <laughs> sure, much. Sure, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Cool. See you. Yep. Andy, nobody will ever accuse us of being a quitter. That's for sure. Um, yep. Got a lot of good stuff coming up. Running on the scroll uh, beneath it. That was Dragonfly Jones. Yeah, we do the best we can around here. Sometimes you know it's a technology-based uh, medium we're working on, and technology doesn't always work. So. Um, tomorrow night, we'll turn it back to the NFL big, uh, week three coming up. Well, so we get Mike Sando from the athletic Monday back to the NBA, Jason Jones. We could be talking finals, Andy, by that point. I know um, both teams could close things out. Eastern and Western conference. Tuesday is going to be a ton of fun. Lana Berry and Molly Knight baseball. The Dodgers start the, on Wednesday. Baseball playoffs start Wednesday. Crazy. I'm so caught up in this. Right. I, 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 I there's other no way to find. Yeah. Uh, and then Wednesday, uh, Josiah Johnson is going to come on, and so it's going to be a, it's going to be a really fun week. We got we're actually pretty much filled up through next week, so um, a lot to look into, a lot to watch. And uh, are we boozing? We we have, we have late night happy hour. I've got, I've got a little, a little little nip here and there, you know, a little something. Um, yeah, so we'll be back tomorrow. Mike Sando with uh, the Athletic. And uh, Monday, Jason Jones back to the NBA, also from The Athletic. We're just, you know, mining that for all we can. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Don't you need a <laughs> They love us there. <laughs>